the Agostin Hosinga show with your host Agostin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> to the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 580 that is 580 of the Agostino Zynga show with I your host Agostino Zynga hope you're doing fine wherever this podcast may find you I hope you are doing fine how am I pretty 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 good not gonna lie full of water full of hope full of um pending prosperity and just loving every single moment of the day so far you know a couple of breaks a couple of working hard sessions a couple of workouts a couple of runs here and there and it's a wonder what that can do to the mind body and spirit and here i am once again with a blockbuster show for you today where have I been? What have I been up to? So, first things first to get out of the way. I've just come back from a pretty decent and quite invigorating night. Um, helping out a friend for an event called Breaking Free uh, by a friend that I've known for many years. Maybe going on to two decades now, Lingo. Somebody I kind of, you know, met on the scene when I was first coming up. Maybe around 1948 times. So that was a very long time ago. I'm going to say it's close to two decades. And he's now doing this thing where together with his artistic collaborator Hog or Hyoge they're together working on this amazing project where essentially he does a bit of music the guy does a bit of painting and they kind of merge and blend each other's practices into one piece so it's a performance piece it's clothing it's nfts it's all this good stuff and he put together a panel talking about breaking free um, you know, within within a fashion sense, and I was chosen to be the moderator, which I was pretty chuffed at, to be honest, um, to get asked to do those kind of things. You know, it's a bit of a two-edged sword. On one side, I just don't like to go outside and meet new people. I tend to be a bit of a hermit in that way and just try and do as much as I can at home and just try and do things on my own by myself. But, you know, sometimes it's good to socialize and get out there. And this evening, or the evening just gone, was a, a definitely a reminder to me in general that the promise I made to myself this year that I would be a little bit more forthcoming when it comes to meeting up with old friends, when it comes to just putting myself out there and being a little bit more, um, I wouldn't say upfront, but just being a little bit more boisterous with the thing, especially post Virgil death. I think that's one thing that kind of struck home with me was that, you know, even though it was really shocking and really kind of sad when he did pass, the really oddly comforting thing about it especially from a fan's point of view especially someone just kind of followed his career from the onset going forward and had you know a brief chance to work with him for a little bit or work with him sorry on a project for a little bit it was really cool to see that essentially his memory would always last because he's left so many impressions on people whether it's products whether it's activations whether it's media 
whether it's design languages, whether it's like color, color, sh color tones and sh you know, shades of color, whether it's color palettes, whether it's applications, whether it's fonts, whether it's quotation marks, he's already left his imprint. And every time, and I feel like every time you see a product that he's designed, your heart kind of smiles, right? It's a kind of little weird thing you do. Oh, you know what I mean? You remember, oh, sick, that sick guy did that. So for me, I was thinking, you know what? He was able to accomplish all of that in a relatively short time. Maybe the, you know, from age 35 to 45, he went absolutely ham in terms of how much stuff that he did. But one thing you have to give the guy credit for was that he put everything out. It didn't matter what it was, how minute, how insignificant, he always put it out. And I think Kanye does the same thing too in terms of always trying to ship and produce things so they're ready to be able to be consumed by your customers or consumed by the public or, you know, if you're going to sell them, maybe bought by the customer. So this is something that I've kind of purposely decided to kind of adopt as a way to maybe honor his legacy and be like, you know what? I need to be more forthcoming. I need to be more out there. I need to put myself out there myself, sorry. Um, and I also just need to be participating in stuff a little bit more and stop kind of hiding away in my little hut and doing things on my own. And this was the first kind of occasion I did so. And I have to be honest, it was really nice to be around other creative people who are striving in their own disciplines, their own practices to do the thing that they want to do you know every day basically career-wise right they're, they're basically all trying to figure it out some are maybe far further along than others some are just starting some maybe have achieved their goals whatever it may be but it's just nice to be around that energy and then to see other people also just supporting for the sake of it um to see other people just there for the free drinks whatever all that energy was cool to be around i'm not gonna lie and the moderating thing also i really enjoyed you know thinking of the questions um knowing when to tell people to hurry up and all that stuff is really awkward but I tried my best and hopefully that went okay but it was a really really fun evening I have to be honest and it was really invigorating I think I mentioned it when I was there but it was similar to when you remember when you like you bump into an old friend someone you haven't seen in ages somebody that you you know maybe from school times so they know you intimately they know the real you not the scene you not the one that you reinvent yourself when you went to university no they know you 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 and you bump into them again and especially if you're cool and you have the greatest conversation right the greatest chat you're like you can't believe why you haven't kept in contact but you know you know why because life got in a way it is what it is but every time you see each other it's like the first day you saw each other or it's like you know it's like back then when you were together all the time and then when you go home you're you're, you're like skipping down the street you've got a glow around you because you've met somebody that kind of knows you for who you are you have to pretend you have to act a certain way and i feel like sometimes when i go to these sort of things it does the same thing to me it kind of gives me that jolt that i need to kind of keep pushing and to do whatever i'm doing continue doing what i do continue doing what i kind of enjoy and hopefully that will lead to the place that i want to get to wherever that place is but just being around it was really enjoyable so that's something that i have to kind of you know give lingo credit for for you know pushing me to do that you know asking me to do it reminding me if i wanted to do it you know just kind of being being on me and kind of giving me no option because i didn't want to let down a friend and then i came through and it was really really cool so i'm really happy i went even though it was quite far from where i live i'm so happy i made the effort to do so and it has coincided with me being off from work as well so that was definitely a bonus definitely a bonus so what's the lesson from there a lesson from there just you know be be open to new experiences say yes to your friends more often and try and put yourself out there i think that's a lesson from it i think so but i think most people do anyway i'm just the minority in this one but hey we move anyway jam-packed show today loads of things to talk about many 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 things so i'm going to try and rattle through as many as i can and then i'll get you on your merry way
first things first uh, update cons concerning my friend <laughs> not really but you know the person I've, I've covered a few times here on the podcast octavian it looks like octavian is um a, he, he's doing something that i have long can long wondered why most people why more people don't whenever a guy does get accused of you know harassment abuse especially from a woman and they think they didn't do it or they no, they believe they didn't do it i'm always surprised and shocked why they don't fight more especially if they're in the entertainment industry because you'd imagine that's your only real means of employment you don't really have another option unless you want to go and work you know a normal job it's essentially you kind of need to kind of clear your name if you want to work again because there's no other way you can work again if you don't clear your name because no no production company's going to want to get behind you with this kind of thing hanging over your head that you might have you know abused an ex of yours or whatever it may be or worse so you have to kind of go out your way to try prove yourself to be innocent i guess if they don't try prove yourself to be innocent it probably answers the questions that most likely they're guilty and they don't want to put more attention to it fair enough but if you generally don't think you did it or if you generally think maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle then maybe fighting is your only route out of this because there's no other option for you else out there and i think this octavian thing is basically a case in point in that from what i understand of his life story he didn't really you know go to school that long um cause quite not say quite soon after but in his like young age he found success in music he was on the way i think to being you know it's a bad term to use because he's probably just because he's skinny and he's black but he was on the way to being like the general uk version of a travis scott kind of because i think personally he, he had the ability to appeal to like not only the black kids but also generally the, the majority of the public here in the uk seemed to love him in terms, especially the kids coming up maybe it had to do with the fact that he wore cool clothes and he looks he was modeling for supreme i don't know what the reason was or could just like his music but he was really definitely on that precipice he's definitely on that on that on that point where his star was ascending you know he had a collaboration with future which i think was terrible personally for me i thought well that was one of maybe his worst tunes but regardless he was definitely on the cusp but then all of a sudden boom he gets all blown out of the water his ex you know lays out all of this um previous abuse that maybe went down loads of evidence um videos recordings like you know police reports like really detailed and extensive um sort of evidence against him and basically painted the narrative that is pretty believable that most likely this did happen especially when you consider you know whatever else was at play in terms of drugs and alcohol and all that sort of stuff that kind of you know um can get people to act a certain way so by all by all accounts it looked like his career had been dead and gone but it seems like in the last few months from the appearance that he did on as his um twitter spaces thing called harsh reality and a few other things that he's done in terms of outbursts the the starting of that instagram page i think that he set up where he basically had people sending anonymous notes and clips and stuff about these ex and maybe she wasn't the person that she painted it out to be it seemed like he's definitely trying to fight and now his latest sort of tactic to try and fight against his allegations and to try and get back his career which i think is wild is now he's basically adopting that he is Johnny Depp in this situation with his ex and obviously his ex is Amber Heard in that he feels like he's been wrongly accused of being a monster when that clearly isn't him and it's a really wild tactic to use because you would never say there's any correlation between Johnny Depp and Octavian at all from Octavian that we know we don't know him too deeply because you know he hasn't been around a long time but from the person that we know you would never say there's any correlation between the two but for him to sit there and say that he thinks there is is probably says a lot about him and maybe he's a 
narcissistic tendencies. But regardless, this is a post courtesy of the Shade Burris as the following. Octavian has recently spoke about his ex-girlfriend, Hannah, who has accused him of abusing her. Octavian has taken to Instagram and compared his case to Johnny Depp v Amber Heard, claiming that he is innocent in the matter. He posted a link to a TikTok account, which claims to reveal the truth about Hannah and of his innocence. And as weird as this is, as sick as this is, because imagine if he is guilty and he's just constantly pushing this and drumming it up. This is essentially harassment. But if he thinks he's innocent, this is also a clever tactic to try and rewrite the narrative, especially in the court of public opinion, because essentially this is what he's fighting for. He's not going to be, a, you know, charged in a court of law. I don't think, I don't think he's going to spend any jail time for it. I personally, I don't think so because the court system is really fucked up when it comes to this sort of stuff personally. But if he does, all right, cool. But I don't think that's going to happen. So if that's the case, he is trying to change the mind of the public in order to give him a second chance, because essentially if you're him and let's say, let me just throw it out and say maybe he left school at 15. Let's say 14, 13. Let's say 15 just to be safe. So he didn't even finish his GCSEs. And, you know, maybe you spend some time mucking around, jumping from place to place, and boom, suddenly you end up discovering that you've got a talent for music. Then you end up getting a pretty decent career. You end up getting, you know, co-signed and have an arm around the shoulder from some of the biggest people in the industry. And you're on your way to becoming that guy. And then boom, it goes. goes. You've got nothing to fall back on like all you've known is looking good in clothes and being able to make good tunes so if you can't do either or because no one's gonna want to have you model their clothes if they think you're an abuser and they don't want you know because they want to sell clothes you know no one's in the business of not selling clothes and no one's gonna want to back you in terms of the record label thing because they think everyone's gonna think you're abusing they're gonna buy your songs they're not gonna come to your concerts whatever it may be so he needs this this is like life or death especially if you um consider the recent news that he's got another lady now who's who he's dating or i'm not sure if they're engaged or not and he's got a baby in a way so the pressure's on so he kind of needs this to work but this is a crazy way to try and defend yourself i think because there's literally nothing that lines up in terms of the johnny depp case and octavian but you know from what we know from what we know anyway let's continue with the slides here to a monster in 0 0.6 seconds okay, captain no jack sparrow doesn't matter is it no sound this one why is there no sound hmm let me see if this works here okay there's no sound in that one doesn't matter but anyway regardless you you, you get a gist right there's a little video there playing a compilation of the truth but you know you know the truth of what's happening with amber heard and johnny Depp. another video here. that hannah mamet accused another oh, innocent guy of beating her up in edinburgh and getting the same tattoo so this is basically what he's trying to do in his defense to try and rewrite the narrative but then the other post i thought was really wild was this post that was posted i think by show Burrow the day before and his caption says as follows um, Octavian shares that he is grateful for life right now after his ex-girlfriend Hannah allegedly ruined his life for two years ago so two years ago according to a rapper he suffered for years whilst trying to leave her Hannah took to social media to accuse the rapper of physical and emotional abuse during their relationship now Octavian states that he is happy with the wonderful woman by his side and loyal supporters and his friends so out of nowhere he's trying again to basically drum this up but I think this is obviously a tactic to try and get his career restarted because it's crunch time baby in a way got a mortgage to pay I'm pretty sure he doesn't doesn't live in flipping Freud's gate you know i mean he probably lives in a nice place a nice area he's probably got crazy builds he's got expensive taste so things need to get a guanning so on this page you've got an instagram story with um words that he's written of across a sun article it says the following two years ago on the release day of my debut album my ex-girlfriend nearly ruined my life i was labeled an abuser blocked by from dreams and was close to suicide 
I can hear it in his accent, labeling an abuser, whatever the accent is that he's got. Funny. Um, grimy rapper, Octavian Accuser, da, 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 cool. The next slide says, Thankfully, I had my friends who saw me suffer for years trying to leave my ex um, girlfriend, was trapped with her threats to ruin my life. It's got, he's got a whole gang full of Asian friends, yeah? Safe. Stony doubt as well, right? Next one. Another clip with him and the new girl, I guess. I've never been happier. Baby on the way and wonderful woman by my side. Low supporters, a lot of people tell us just to move on. This is funny. Whenever people post stuff like this, that they've never been happier. It's always the opposite, I think, because you can see it in the eyes, isn't it? If you are happy and living a fulfilled life, why do you need to constantly remind people? But maybe, you know, maybe there's a point of just trying to make sure people know that you're doing good. But, you know, whatever. Another slide here says, but then we got bombarded after, after two years with messages like this about a dog that I bought for my money raised. Oh, this guy in his English language, man. Anyway, um, and then there's messages, I guess, um, from Hannah fans telling him to give the dog back or because of my ex, please understand enough is enough. And then the next slide we have, uh, honestly, okay, I don't, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but this is a, a text from 2020. I'm assuming one of them texting the other, but just in general, the tactic of trying to now paint himself to be the victim is interesting. Hannah getting the same She has nothing else to fall back on in terms of making money and providing for his family. And if that's the case, then, you know, try to do this thing. But if anything, this could dramatically backfire. More information can come out, more damning information. And then, you know, then what do you do from then on? But I still think, even though this is quite heinous, a part of me still thinks... I would like to live in a society or an industry where you do this madness. Imagine if you actually did it and the industry doesn't try and block you. So not none of this record labels dropping you and stuff. It's a nonsense because it's not like he's the first person to allegedly abuse his spouse. Right? I mean, there's plenty of people in the music industry now who have deals, who are on world tours, who have beat and, you know, abused their partners in past or, you know, done some heinous stuff in their previous lives of becoming musicians. The fact that you can, you know, have your career kind of upended be underneath that is a bit, I don't know, I'm a little bit dubious on that one or skeptical on that being a reason to have not have a career. But I would like to live in a world where society where you do that madness and then it's the fans that decide. So if the fans stop buying your tickets, if the fans stop downloading your album, if they stop coming to your shows, they stop buying your merch, then the record label, if they want, because essentially you're costing them money, can drop you. But this idea that they block you in terms of they drop you, no one wants to represent you, um, they stop you from being on playlists, all this kind of stuff, I think this blackballing is really weird. This moral blackballing is really weird because people only have morals for certain things you can get punished for in certain sectors of the you know of the workplace you can get punished for maybe being too um too much on the whole free palestine thing right but then another side is if you put the ukrainian flag next to your name it's lauded so the morals and the principles and the politics and all this kind of stuff like it kind of depends on who the person is what the situation is and i don't like that i would like it to all be based on the fans based on the customers if they decide that they don't want you anymore and they want to cancel you cool but i don't think industry should that's just my weird controversial opinion on that one i always get a little bit queasy when i see industries coming out together and one by one taking people's accounts down banning them for it's like no 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 let the let the people decide if they all want to turn their back and not listen to you then that is what it is but don't you know force us to turn our back and then kick the person out that's just too much for me personally but i do think there's correlation in these 
put into himself between him and Johnny Depp, Octavian, is legitimately batshit insane. Um, probably is the only tactic he's got now left to try and paint. You know, if you if you if you're being accused of something and you don't don't have any other recourse, the only thing you can do is point back to the other person and say, no, no, you did it. Do you know what I mean kind of playground sort of stuff? But this is an insane defense because you know Octavian number one is not as beloved as Johnny Depp, so he's not going to get any of that grace. And this is clearly from the evidence that we've seen some. You know, if you're being charitable to him, you'd say it's a toxic relationship. So if it was toxic you would say two, you know, it takes two to tango. And definitely both of them were at fault. Now, if you talk to the girl, she would definitely tell you how Octavian was more at fault. But for him to say he was entirely the victim is insane. It's not the same as Joan Dip at all. But anyway, what what do I know? Maybe you, you guys disagree. Let me know in the comments down below if you think any different. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Then next on the list, we've got this clip here, courtesy again of Shade Borough, which I think is super cool because I think I was mentioning this before prior when i was talking about going to meet friends or something i've got anyway i think i spoke about this before but essentially i've been and i've always have been very anti-birthdays right very very anti-birthdays especially when you're like over the age of like 21 i feel people who do like birthday weeks birthday months and stuff you are completely r-worded i think it's real it's, it's the antithesis of flipping main character syndrome and it's just really really corny really cringe really embarrassing for people over the age of 21 to be going out of their way to be celebrating their birthday to be reminding people that it's their birthday treat me nice because it's my birthday like get a life grow up do you know what I mean it's flipping redacted but I'm also um, honest enough to know that maybe the reason why I've felt that way is because I've never really had good birthdays growing up so I kind of maybe have created this kind of position to stand on so i don't feel let down if no one comes and turns up to mine or no one wishes me anything because i never did and i never really got presents or anything but one of the good memories i do remember from birthdays from when i was really young and a small and a tiny period of time when i used to go to church when i was really young i remember my parents always taking me to mcdonald's right you go to mcdonald's you get a happy meal or if you the older you got maybe one day you'd be allowed to get a normal meal like a main one maybe like the adults maybe like oh my god wow you got a chicken legend it felt like a flipping it felt like a double digger bus how big it was compared to the mcdonald's meal and then for a small period of time when i was going to church my parents did this really sick thing where they'd give me money to take my friends out and i think that was the time when nando's was first starting here in the uk and it wasn't as crap as it is now and um, it was definitely something that people thought it was a, a treat so I'd go out my way to pick some friends that I would obviously hang out with in church and I'd take them to Nando's and I'd just like invite them for a meal and that would be the way to celebrate my birthday. And it was cool because at the time, if I'm not mistaken, the kind of thing that everyone did around that church was that if it was your birthday, you would basically invite people to, you told them to come and eat with you at some fancy restaurant, but you won't, you know, it's basically you pay for yourself, which obviously immediately alienated out some people who just didn't have the money to pay for it or just couldn't bother to go. But the fact that I was willing to be like, hey, I like you, you're one of my good friends, I want you to celebrate this day with me, come, 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 and you're paying for these for these munches was really sick because it, it, it was a way to kind of like celebrate your birthday with other people involved. It wasn't just about you, it was about, you know, everyone celebrating together. And um, I loved it. I think it was absolutely sick. And that was the only way if I was going to celebrate birthdays nowadays, what I would do going forward. It wouldn't be about me. It would be about, hey, let me get my closest friends together. Let's go out somewhere and eat. Let's go away on a trip. Let's go see this concert, whatever it may be. And I thought this clip, courtesy of Shadeborough, was a really cool example of it. And this is um, says the following. This lady decided to spoil her friends for her birthday and celebrate in style. She landed in the villa. Uh, sure, she handled the villa, the private chef, and told her friends just to book a flight and enjoy Residence, would you, would you uh, do this for your birthday? So I think it's pretty cool. Hopefully it's not copyrighted music. Is it copyrighted music? 
Okay, so on my birthday, I asked my girls to book their flights only. I covered the Okay, whatever. Yeah. The villa, private yeah. share, transport to and from the airport. Yeah. 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 Anyway, regardless, um, the video's playing. There's just a montage of girls in some fancy villa somewhere. There's drinks being prepared. There's a swimming pool. There's loads of creek girls. There's a chef there preparing the food. It's all being laid out, a massive spread, it all looks absolutely banging and it looks like legitimately one of the best holidays they're probably ever going to have in trip, something that they're going to remember forever and ever and ever. And I'm wondering, why don't more people do this? If you really want to embrace your main character syndrome and you really want to make it all about you, oh, and they've got these amazing drone shots over the villa, oh my God, they look incredible. So they even got someone to do the... Um, to do the to capture the whole trip itself so it looks absolutely incredible from the outside right i don't understand if you really want to be main character and you really want to indulge yourself right why don't you just do something like this because then what you have is effectively if you really want to get granular about this right this is kind of gross to say but effectively what you've got is however many how many girls is there it looks like there's about six right you essentially got six different people sharing the fact that you took them all out on this amazing trip for your birthday. So six different people with their own you know, followers, uh, spreading it to their followers, essentially uh, putting it out there for you. So this is the this is the definition, textbook definition of like um, organic flipping engagement. Right. And organic vir virality or whatever, you know, to go viral, like organically. This is basically the way you do it. And that's why I probably got picked up by a page like Shea Bear in the first place. Everyone kind of put it out and bigging it up. So. It's a weird time we live in. People want to celebrate their birthdays. They want you to wish them happy birthday a minute or a second past 12. Um, they want you to celebrate the day, the week, the month, um, you know, sometimes a half of the year. But then they also don't want to indulge people in it to kind of celebrate it with them. Like there's, you don't see that energy. There's none, there's no energy of like, hey, it's my birthday. Come out. Let me take you for a drink. Come on, let's get wasted or something. It's always like, no, I'm gonna go to this swanky place. You better also come into this swanky place and spend a hundred quid on a couple flipping, on a couple, you know, fish sticks or whatever it may be. Whereas this is a much better way to actually include your actual friends. So, I wonder why that is. Why don't more people who are down to celebrate their birthdays do stuff like this? And why do they do things that just focus primarily on them and that don't, you know, focus on their friends at all, or or at least try to pretend like they're focusing on their friends by proxy then focusing back on you i don't really know but i thought this was a really cool idea and big up the person who ended up doing this in the first place man this is an absolute sick 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 idea i love it i love it i love it okay moving on what else is on here this is a clip is this a clip this is a clip why is it another this playing why can't i hear any of this stuff this is so weird well at the table the sound isn't working at all for me today I wonder why that is. Hold on one second. Let me see if I do the headphones normal. Does it work? Okay. So that nice working. Cool. Let me put this back on and see if this works now. Yeah, a restaurant. Oh my God. Okay, there we go. It's working now. Cool. So another clip. This is courtesy again for Shea Burr. And this is just a general comment to make about this because I feel like it. It it feels like it's a it's a thing that only affects like black podcasts and content channels and youtube channels and whatnot but I, I definitely don't think it's the case maybe i just thought i'm not paying attention but is it me or am i the only person who's in you know totally incredibly 
um, bored with these topics concerning relationships and dating and all that. And I, and I think most of you are aware of the kind of conversations I talk about, you know, when there are video clips going around, you know, there's those fresh and fit guys that do the similar sort of thing where they just talk about, oh, you know, to get a girl, you need to have a certain tax bracket. If you're going on a first date, who pays? All these redundant, hacky, really base level um flipping infantile ways of looking at life on a constant basis is absolutely doing my nuts and this is another good example of it this is again from shadebury and it says as follows residents when you're on a date with your partner do you prefer to sit opposite each other or next to your significant other and this is a one minute clip but i'm pretty sure this segment was probably more than 10 minutes maybe even more than half an hour talking about should you sit up opposite or across somebody and it's absolute so it's opposite or next to somebody and it's absolutely insane i don't know why people care about this sort of stuff on a constant basis maybe it's just me and i'm just heartless and i don't really you know I don't like joy or whatever it may be or maybe it's the fact that they don't really have anything else interesting to talk about or maybe it's a it's a kind of um it's a direct reflection of the times we're living in now because life is so weird and because there's so many terrible things going on around the world in order to kind of distract us from that sort of stuff we just talk about these mundane topics in an effort to kind of distract us from the horrors that are going on in the world because if we try to think about it too much it'll get, get us down and the fact that we're powerless will probably get us to even it put us in even a worse bit of funk and if we you know if we know anything to, from the pandemic is that we don't want to waste time so if we don't want to waste time let's just at least talk about stuff that is going to at least bring a smile to our face and get us to share some personal experiences cool whatever but i still think it's lame i still think it's tired i still think it's boring and i still think in general it legitimately i think rots your brain cells sitting there and debating should you sit op opposite somebody or next to somebody should you pay on the first date or should they pay or should you go halves should you open a door or should they open it themselves do you buy people gifts in order to exchange for sex all this nonsense stuff like really are you guys thinking about this stuff every single day probably are but anyway let me play the clip and then you can have your own opinion and we were at the table and we were seated with our friends. And I do this thing where I like to sit right next to Tolly at a restaurant. Oh my God. Tolly starts asking all his friends, oh yeah, when you go to a restaurant, how do you guys sit? Do you not sit opposite? opposite each other. That's how you're meant to sit. Guys, when you go... sits beside me. Guys, when you go to a restaurant with your partner, are you sitting opposite or side to side? Listen. I like side to I side. I promise you 100% of... You know what? Put this on your story as well. I promise you 100% of people are going to be like, why though? Anyone that's side to side, he sees serial killer. <laughs> Why are you on the side of your of I like your to I like to I like to just like I like to be close. I just feel like if you're you opposite know, you people will not be pinning your neck. Your neck you not be doing this. Oh, that's a good point. Job. That's a good point. I just like to be close to you, like side to side, but then opposite, I feel like, oh my gosh, you're too far away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. This legitimately kills my brain cells hearing this sort of stuff, but it's the constant topic. There was a whole entire channel based on this sort of stuff. What was it called again? Black chat, right? Black chat? Is it Black Chair? Is that what it's called? Anyway, you, you, I guess you know what I'm talking about. An entire channel dedicated to these topics and it, it was absolutely a barnstormer of a success. But I just can't get down with it. I don't understand why these topics just keep coming up. But maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Anyway, moving on to stuff that I actually do care about. This is news courtesy of Hypebeast and it refers to Anti-Social Social Club. I bet you haven't heard about that name in a while, right? 
ASSC, Anti-Social Social Club, the brand set up by Neek Lurk, an OG from Nike Talk forums. That's the only way that I've known of him, to be honest, because I used to be on Nike Talk back in the day too. I predominantly spent my time on Crooked Tongues forum. That's where I kind of predominantly spent my time. And then I transferred over to fuk.co.uk. And then I went over to Fifth Dimension forum for a bit. But then there's some cunts over there. So I didn't stay there for that too long. And then what else I did? That was it, right? Sidewalk forum for a bit, slap for a bit. But the main sort of like sneaker streetwear forum that everyone kind of started from or has reference of is Nike Talk. And this guy on there called Neek Lurk um, ended up, you know, getting into cars and being some scene person in LA or Las Vegas, wherever he lives. And then out of nowhere, he started up this amazing brand called Antisocial Social Club. It had a really cool moment um, in terms of, you know, the actual name of the brand was just, you know, at the time it just hit and people kind of resonated with it. The the font, the way it waves, the, that font on the hoodie, that font on the flannel, the font of the t-shirt, it was just pure money. That was basically his, you know, his Supreme Box logo, his Bape head, um, his Nike swoosh and it absolutely sold, you know, he, he sold a hand over fist. But for whatever reason, the back end of the company just never really caught up with the front end. So when it came to fulfilling orders, when it came to shipping orders when it came to customer service they were just all over the place and unfortunately i think for anti-social social club and nick lurk i think this also coincided with streetwear kind of going mainstream you know how now you, you know how now everybody's a sneakerhead right um everybody's a reseller or everybody knows what a yeezy is there was a time when this was still kind of somewhat um, I won't say subversive, but it was a kind of an underground culture. It was, you know, it was it was for a niche audience, and I think unfortunately because this brand happened to catch the zeitgeist, um, I think it was also the time everyone was wearing. I've got all that camp. There was a dad hat also that came out around that time that everyone was wearing, that had some sort of words on it. There was a time when everything had words, right? And it kind of had it was like an inflection point between anti-social club becoming the big thing and also the mainstream public gravitating to it and also realizing oh there's all these cool clothes all these cool ladies all these cool sneakers over there let's go over there and they just couldn't meet demand and by the time it kind of got really big they just couldn't catch up to it and then by that time their reputation was damaged because the main thing that mainstream customers come in with is expectations from shopping from amazon and you know other high street retailers where they just they want this stuff and they buy it so when they come to this underground culture this niche culture where it's kind of um cool to not ship stuff on time it's kind of cool to not answer questions it's kind of cool to be rude to your customers there was a real big disconnect there and i think ever since then it's kind of suffered in terms of public perception but for whatever reason as a brand its value is still maintained which is probably the reason why a brand like marquee has decided to buy it which is flipping crazy because you haven't really heard of anti-social social club being spoken about um in the culture that much apart from when the, the drops happen and people see that it hasn't really progressed that much in terms of a brand in terms of its visual representations in terms of its product offerings it's still the same old stuff if anything the look books look better but in terms of what they offer in terms of products it's still kind of a bit lame but for whatever reason marquee brands doesn't think so it says as following anti-social social club as 
SC has been acquired by Marquee Brands, the parent company of Ben Sherman, Martha Stewart's namesake brand, and various other lifestyle labels. As reported by Business of Fashion, the acquisition was confirmed early this morning for an undisclosed sum. So we're talking millions. Speaking to BOF, Marquee Brands chief executive Neil Fist said, Our plan is to let ASSC be ASSC with no intent to change the brand DNA values or culture. Eh, lie. Whenever you hear that, that's basically, we're going to give you time, maybe a year, maybe two years to do what you do. If we don't see the bottom line improving, we're going to bring our people in to completely dilute it and ruin it. It happens every single time. This never works from startups to fashion brands, um, to tech companies, to service companies. It all happens. Whenever they get absorbed by a big company, they always say the same thing. We're going to bring them in house, give them access to all our resources, allow them to do what they do best because that's where they're here. And then as soon as it starts to affect their bottom line, boom, they get their own people. You know, you basically get pushed out or you be, you know, essentially if you start a company and you now turn into an employee, you're definitely not going to be comfortable with it because the whole reason why you started in the company is because you're an entrepreneur. So they put you in a position where you have no other option but to quit and then boom, it's over and it's done with and then you're going to start seeing anti-social social clubs sold on fucking um you know it's, it's in flipping tj maxx and stuff and whatever it may be do you know what i mean it continues um it was founded in 2015 by nick lurk founded found fame among streetwear community at the time when supreme was in its element sitting alongside the ultra boost hype a love for anything Kanye west touch and drake's hotline bling despite its appeal bolstered logo ace uh, fell short when it came to delivering on his collection his collections literally unheard of delivery tactics or a lack thereof meant that those who bought a, um a anti-social social club had to wait months to get their order at a time owing over 1,000 people their merchandise but again how i'll just want to know how can a brand that clearly has a uh, complicated relationship with their customers and clearly has a very inconsistent way of fulfilling orders how can they still remain valuable enough for a brand to acquire them i guess the reason why it would be is because of their customers right it's not because of the brand it's because of who they have in terms of customers so if you're marquee you want to start appealing to a younger audience or you want to start appealing to an audience that has more disposable income that they're willing to, yeah, they have disposable income that they're willing to spend on stuff. So you want to increase that, you want more, and you're going to hope in a weird way because salespeople and brand people are strange. They they think somehow that they can get the antisocial club customer to come into Marquee and then start buying their other brands that exist under their umbrella. It doesn't really make any sense, but I guess that's part of the, a law that they're trying to um that's part of the dream that they have right in terms of buying or acquiring anti-social club because on paper it doesn't make any sense on paper it's like this company was probably going to fizzle out and die eventually or maybe not i don't know how much he spends in making the stuff and how much he makes or whatever it may be according to the website i just checked it earlier everything is sold out so business is booming over there everything is sold out on the website of antisocialclub.com so maybe it's still going well but um yeah i just wonder how they're able to keep they're, they're able to hold their value considering that clearly public perception has shifted um clearly maybe the business isn't where it should be but i guess if you're a big multi-brand conglomerate like marquee you probably got the people in place who can definitely crack the whip and get that brand into shape very very sharpish it's probably not that hard to do um i can definitely imagine it but yeah big up nick he's probably cashed out in a big way 
Will he be turning up to Marquee Brand's offices and working out of there? Will he end up just abandoning it and maybe spilling the beans in some rant soon? Probably, who knows? But regardless, it's cool to see him get um, a big check, a big payday off the back of it. And hopefully he can go on to do other cool things. Next on the list, we've got news here, courtesy of RA. And it features Nina Kravitz, somebody I've spoken about a few times here, especially concerning what's been happening with the in the war with the war in Ukraine, with obviously um Russia's invasion of Ukraine and all the horrible things that's been happening as or the fallout of that. We're now in what the third month or something going on. You know, hundreds of hundreds of lives have been lost, maybe even thousands by this point. And yeah, it's just a terrible, terrible situation. And it feels like for whatever reason Nina Kravitz is bearing an, I think, unfair brunt of this situation. Even though I understand where it's coming from, I think this headline is a little bit excessive. What's going on and what, why this is happening? It just feels a bit bizarre to me. But anyway, it continues. Nina Kravitz won't play free up-and-coming festivals in Europe and the USA. The, Cra the Crave in The Hague, Movement Detroit and Dortmund's Polar Wissen have published statements confirming the news. So there she is. It says Nina Kravitz won't appear at free festivals. She was due to play in the coming weeks. The Crave in The Hague, The Movement Detroit and Dortmund's Polar Wissen um, have published statements in the past days confirming the news. While European festivals said that they made the decision, movement put on the onus on Russian artists, none of them provided a reason. Okay, so one festival is saying that she doesn't want to go and two of the others are saying that they the one that pulled out. I think this, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. She probably decided she doesn't want to go and the festival's in an effort to kind of, you know, get some public love and to make themselves look at the good guy they decided to come out and say hey we decided to pull out of it too which is a bit slimy but it is what it is the news arrived after kravitz posted a statement clarifying her position on the war in ukraine and addressing her perceived silence she has come under fierce criticism for some um corners of the scene i'm a musician and was never involved in supporting politicians or political parties she wrote part of the criticism around kravitz perceived silence was based on her assumption that she still lives in berlin where freedom of speech is protected though she has lived in berlin in 2018 peace interview magazine she said she was based in moscow kravitz and the trips band pages also say moscow as do the titles of a several live streams recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic people are going in in terms of analyzing and detailing all this stuff Kravitz statement has referenced the recent split between her label trip and clone distribution in clone statement published the day before Kravitz found the surge said the decision was part ways was partly motivated by Kravitz's pro-Putin views and her CCCP and USSR sentiments surge alludes to several historic incidents which can be taken as pro-Putin without going into detail one of those is likely a photo taken at Coachella in 2014 showing Kravitz posing with a cardboard cutout of Vladimir Putin, who is holding a gun with a flower in a barrel. According to Kravitz's press officer, the flower in the gun is a symbol of peace since 1967, and the cutout was one of many at the festival. That's true. You can't start pinning stuff happening in 2014 because that's like the Trump stuff. Do you remember when all rappers were obsessed with Donald Trump? Then he becomes president and everyone realizes what a piece of shit he is, and they suddenly want to delete the fact that he was the... Uh, the person that everyone referenced in tracks and raps and stuff people wanted to pose with him in pictures do you know what I mean he was a bit of a cartoon um figure that people kind of wanted to align themselves with but then when they saw the actual real man in in charge with some power they realized how dangerous he could be so to attribute some random person coming to a festival with a cow Vladimir Putin and being like haha he he he's a bad man in 2014 is different than what we're seeing now because we're seeing 
what that villain is actually like in real time and what kind of damage and pain he can cause people you know in a country that are just minding their business um because i guess whatever in it so I, that was i thought was an unfair thing to kind of pin on somebody in my opinion but hey um another controversial incident concerned a meme tweeted by kravis people are getting their festival gigs cancelled because of a meme so somehow you can get book maybe it's maybe that's makes sense though if you can get bookings for shit posting right like a like a what's her name like uh what's that girl's name man I was, i'll keep covering it the ones with the massive boobies uh oh you know i don't you know i forgot her name if you can ship her your way to bookings then maybe you can ship her your way out of lineups that's also maybe a thing maybe anyway since the meme tweet in 2016 i've had me put out a rave the accompanying text reads don't un don't underestimate a ruski is there a copy of it or has this been deleted let's see has she deleted this Oh, is it still up there? Okay, still up there. So this is a, this is the meme that can that that people are saying. Come on, man. Anyway, um, read the post from the Crave. Okay, so this is from the Crave Festival. Dear visitors of Crave, we have to inform you that after long and intensive discussions, both internally and externally, we have decided that Nina Kravis will not play the Crave Festival in 2022. The Crave. Nina Kravis is unable to play movement this year. Stay tuned. So Dave clearly said she was meant to play, but they didn't. She didn't because she didn't want to go. This sounds like more movement. And then uh, Polo Wilson says the following announcement regarding the Polo Wilson Festival. We would like to inform you that Nina Kravis will not perform. The decision was made by us following a process of inner. So two two places are saying that they took the decision and one place is clearly putting the onus on Nina. Now, for me personally, I think this is OTT because where does this end? So she's basically being punished for not wanting to clarify her position when it comes to Putin. If we are to take a guess, we would say most likely... How likely is it she's pro or anti-Putin? She's probably most likely pro-Putin. But in terms of the war, in terms of what's going on in Ukraine, like that's what I was wondering. Can you be pro-Putin and also be against the war in Ukraine or the invasion, the illegal invasion of Russia into Ukraine? Probably can. Obviously, it doesn't make any sense because they're both intrinsically connected. But if you wanted to play those semantic games, you probably could somehow trick your brain into believing that it, although you're pro-Putin and you think that he is, um, you know, um, the last bastion of trying to preserve the sovereignty of the USSR, whatever nonsense that you're thinking, you can't get away from the blood that's being spilled in Ukraine at the moment. The family's been absolutely torn apart. The untold misery has been brought upon those sisters, citizens, right, for no fault of their own. But then if you decide to say, I'm going to be apolitical, I'm not going to talk about politics at all, regardless of what's happening in my, in, in my country or the places I'm associated with, should you also be punished for that also? Because that's what I feel like she's kind of doing. She's basically saying, hey, I just don't want to talk about this for whatever reason. It's annoying. It's going to be frustrating, especially if you're a fan of hers and you're seeing what's going on there and you want her to make a stand. But is that enough to cancel somebody and basically take away their livelihood? I don't think so, personally, especially when you think about the dance music scene and you think about the amount of legitimate abusers out there who have been able to get away with it, who have been able to still succeed, who have been able to kind of um, dust themselves off and carry on, even though they've left a trail of victims in their wake. And no, there was, it doesn't feel like there was the same level of uproar and scrutiny being placed on them as is with this case it's just it just feels a bit strange like why are they coming extra hard at her and trying to make sure they kind of put a set an example in this case 
um, because she's refusing to really get in and be super political about it. Like, I think you should have the right to not want to comment, especially if you're not going to say anything that's going to be constructive, especially if you're not going to say nothing that's going to be received well. Why not just keep it to yourself? Especially if you believe the things that you believe. I just don't what so they're trying they're trying to force her into complying, into bending the knee, into sharing the same political opinions. And I just don't think that's healthy. I think the whole reason why dance music is the way it is, as people like to say it's political, cool, say it, whatever it may be. But I think one of the amazing things about it is that it can unite and unify people from different political leanings, from different, you know, upbringings, from different countries, colours, creeds, sexual orientations, whatever it may be. We are all kind of united under this weird banner of dance music and electronic music. And we find these weird safe spaces where we can kind of be ourselves and, you know, not talk about politics and just kind of enjoy music and feel the vibes and get high and drink and have a good time and dance and whatnot and go home. That's basically what it should be about. Um, so this kind of i get it on one side of things to bring attention to certain topics but i feel like this is going too far personally for me it just feels like a step too far they're essentially taking away her livelihood because she refuses to come out outright and say nothing you know negative against putin like let's be sensible we're all adults here we probably know that she's pro-putin cool but can you be pro-putin and still have a dj career you should be able to in the same way that you should be able to be a Tory and still have a DJ career. I'm pretty sure there's plenty of them people, especially in tech house. It feels like a lot of those guys are probably Tory on the sly, but you should be allowed to have a career if you don't have, if you don't share the political leanings of your industry that you're in, because it's not as if it's even the majority. For sure, there are people, you know, well, not Russia's not probably a good example because it's not as if like they have democratic voting there over there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The, his last opposition leader is flopping in prison now for an unspecified amount of time so that's not exactly a um, democratic place in terms of voting and you know opponents or whatnot but I don't know I just feel like this is too much maybe it's just me and I'm kind of being overly sympathetic about this but I even said in my previous video I, I know a lot of this has to do with her as a person because like I said before she clearly comes across like a bitch and that's not being mean but that just is what it is I'm pretty sure she's the kind of person you wouldn't want to meet in real life you'd kind of if you were a fan of Nina Kravitz you want to just enjoy her releases her DJ live streams her Instagram just from afar you wouldn't want to try and meet her in person and try and shake her hand and say how much you love her I don't think it'd go well personally especially if she was not in a good mood I think she definitely radiates that kind of energy of somebody that kind of doesn't really give a fuck which is fine but you know it would definitely crush you if you're a fan of hers that might play into it I think that definitely plays into it she's not a very uh, likable person but, you know, so what? You're a piece of shit. So what? You're a dickhead. If your fans like you and people want to see you play, do it, innit? And especially when it comes to these festivals, it feels like they're just cutting off their nose to spite their face. Like, you know, uh, local restaurants, food trucks, security team, people that are working in a bar, people that are going to work in a cloakroom, they're all going to be missing out on tips or income because such a big name is not able to come. And don't be, you know, don't get it twisted. She's a massive name. She fills out places she sells tickets and stuff she puts bums in seats so it just feels a little bit you know it just feels a little bit performative for me especially when you consider that most of the people that would go to these sort of things don't necessarily care 
most people that buy it. I don't think that they do. I think it's a small niche of people in the scene who care about this stuff and pay attention to it. But I think the majority of people just like who they like. They watch them play. If they play a bad set, they won't come back again. But it it has real little to nothing to do with the amount of times they moan about their flights on Instagram or who they want to vote for or did they say, did they speak about this topic or this topic? I don't think people would actually care. I really don't. But maybe I'm in the wrong here. I don't know. Let me know in the comments down below what you think. I'd love to hear your thoughts next on the list here what do we have we have this courtesy of vogue this is regarding d this is regarding the balenciaga resort 2023 show that took place just the other day and i love it i really really do like it um i don't really understand some of the pushback from people online especially when you think about you know demner's design language his codes We've seen this silhouette. We've seen this version of his Balenciaga many times in different iterations. This is just the latest presentation of it. And I'm not really sure why people are so kind of hung up on it and really getting their kind of knickers in a twist when, like I said, we've seen this before from him. It feels a little bit like people are just looking for an excuse to basically say it's over for the brand. But clearly when it comes to customers, when it comes to sales, they are doing so well that any kind of criticism that gets kind of placed, you know, at the feet of them, then what he's doing at Balenciaga becomes redundant because the moment all this stuff sells out, it kind of solidifies the point that maybe all these critics, myself involved, myself included, and people who call themselves, you know, um, fashion enthusiasts and stuff, maybe we just don't know what we're talking about. And I wonder why that is, why there seems to be a real disconnect between what we think is good and what the customers think is good because but for an ex for, for whatever reason these brands it's not as if like Balenciaga is lame it's still cool but for some reason it appeals to us in terms of the niche of people who give a shit about fashion but it also for some reason sells with the general public the amount of people in my area who I see wear those sock Balenciaga runners some are probably fake I'd assume but just I think you know even fakes are a really good in uh, fakes are a really good indication of how popular your product is so i think as a designer if you see your stuff getting faked you should be over the moon because that means it's definitely resonated with people because it's got to a point where people can't buy it retail because it's sold out so they're now making shakes fakes or shakes fakes to fulfill demand so the amount of fake balenciaga sock runners i've seen in my area is definitely a clear um example of just how successful and how far reaching their design language has been to the general public and i really always try and wonder like i wonder how that happens how do you how do you make a brand especially a fashion brand that's both cool and also is able to appeal to the mainstream audience like, how does that happen because it happens a lot with streetwear brands the obvious example being supreme it feels like every season they're battling you know they're kind of having a tug of war between satisfying their kind of general public consumer and also kind of keep making sure that they keep the core skateboarding streetwear guy happy but and they seem to always nail it but it feels like in fashion that kind of cool period definitely fizzles out and burns very quickly right like people were all over the place with craig green and now you hardly hear his name mentioned he's a one example that i was kind of say and then it kind of goes mass market and then it kind of dies on the field there but i think what them that does a plenciaga 
just the fact that he presents for for this collection a gimp mask on the runway don't get me wrong it's a resort collection so maybe the relevance of it isn't as high as maybe doing it you know on the main collection runway a paris fashion week or whatnot but the fact that he's able to bring such um subversive underground almost deviant kind of things into the mainstream such as a gimp mask and latex gloves is just everything to me especially for my kind of interest in terms of being into dance music in terms of being to alternative culture in terms of having interests that lie within that central europe eastern europe kind of vibe this is something i definitely kind of resonate with and definitely connect with 100 percent, 1 million percent it's definitely something that i would look at um and be really interested in wearing or something that i definitely look at and be interested in just kind of you know just taking in I mean all of it it absolutely looks fantastic and I just couldn't understand some of the pushback that people had against it it really was bizarre to watch it in real time it really 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 was I didn't understand it in the slightest um, but maybe this is just more so an indication of maybe Balenciaga fatigue that might be the thing it might be just fatigue about the brand and seeing the shape again but you don't seem to I don't know why but for every reason maybe it's just the favoritism thing I don't see the timeline having the same reaction when it comes to um what flipping Alessandro McKelly is doing at um Gucci it seems like he's basically doing the same thing his version basically a refinement so essentially what Rick Owens does every collection he refines his silhouettes and his shapes every single season but it's not like he's coming out there with an entirely different thing it's just a kind of a continued conversation every single season but for some reason it's okay for him to do it at Gucci and no one really bats an eyelid but the moment um, Demna does it it's all of a sudden a problem and I don't really understand why that is it might be come to think of it it might be like a residue of people not thinking he is the guy since Vetema right people maybe were always skeptical of the guy and thought maybe he's a bit overrated so maybe this is the one chance to kind of prove it on the big stage because people maybe feel like there's no real progression from this kind of look look 12 from what he's this is no progression from look 12 no there's no progression from this look look 12 from what he was doing previously at Vetema maybe that's what people think but I just think it's really unfair personally because this is still cool to see. Like I said, like on the biggest stage to take Gip Mask and somehow make them chic is for me everything. It really, really is everything. I look at this and I'm like, I mean, I'm in, I'm enthralled by it. I really am. I absolutely love everything about it. And I would wear this stuff ASAP. And I also like the fact that, because I'm pretty sure all this stuff will be available in other colors. But I like the fact that for whatever reason, he's decided to adopt this black color palette. We've seen it. Um, adopted in the previous collection that was kind of looking like they were, they were traversing through snow there was a lot of black there wasn't a lot of kind of options in terms of colors um, from the models walking down the runway so I'm, I like that he's presenting his shapes and his ideas in one color because I think that gives a customer like myself an idea of what you would actually like based on the shape of it and then if you went to a store and you saw a color that you liked like a pine green a forest green a deep purple whatever it may be maybe your mind will be changed but you definitely fundamentally like the shape of it the pants the coats the jackets i think that's a really cool idea i really do but yeah the fact that he's got like a silk scarf you know like a basically taking a hermes scarf and putting it at the front of a gimp mask is just i don't know the elevation of just that deviant bdsm um kink sort of scene thing and bringing it on this stage is just incredible to me i love everything about it and i really enjoyed this article courtesy of harper's bazaar 
written by the one and the only Rachel Tashin, who's now moved over there from GQ, unfortunately. But I think she really kind of encapsulated the review of this collection really, really well. Let's read a couple of bits here. It says Balenciaga's creative director Demna has been hovering on the top of the fashion world for almost eight years. But how do we define his role? Is he fashion's best comedian? When asked why he collaborated with Adidas for his spring 2023 show, staged on Sunday in Manhattan, he said, Well, I was waiting to use the three stripes. Ha. Huh. Or he's pounding music and get mask covered models. Maybe he's fashion's favourite, sorry, best horror director. The only thing we can say for sure is that he is one of the most influential living fashion designers. So unapologetical in his is his work and the whole world he has looked like. Um, he has looked like Balenciaga over the past few years. Whether it's a tourist on the street outside of the New York Stock Exchange where the show was held or the world's wealthiest people who have always um, seemed to have the worst clothes. He holds a mirror up to, well, not nature, but to all that's highly synthetic, banal and overly familiar. Demna makes you feel seen, but in a bad way. But I also think in a good way, because I always say, like, I think in terms of luxury brands, in terms of high fashion brands, definitely Balenciaga is one of the most wearable ones because of the shapes, because of the sizes, the silhouettes. It's definitely something that most people on the street could easily wear and make it look their own and also feel chic and also feel cute and also feel empowered, whatever it may be. It's one of the only bands that does this. It's not something that excludes people. It actually includes people. As weird as it is, as weird as it is saying this with uh, a runway look with, you know, full gimp mask on and a silk scarf at the front, it definitely is one of the most inclusive brands because of that, in my opinion. It continues. That was a primal pleasure of his New York show. This is the first time Debna has shown in America, though he knows backstage that the Americans were some of his first to embrace his Balenciaga vision. A country never looks so pure as through the eyes of a designer, and Demna, who is Georgian and designs out of France, but lives mostly in Switzerland, showed us Americans, especially New Yorkers, as he sees work obsessives sorry work obsessives with briefcase and blazers cfos in big black coats his models tramped through the stock exchange like they owned the place so like they owned the place their precise power hungry tailoring punctuated with enormous black clown shoes every model wore a bondage suit under their look you know because they're slaves to capitalism love it surely i'm not the only one who's tired of the capital of being or because capitalism type thinking a dominant strain in the complaining online and as of and also off that blames all the ills of the world with the shrug of the behemoth machine of the economic power. Maybe the reason why it works when Demna creates this sweeping, chilling visions of global force is that he's embracing the, of the obvious. In fact, he is fascinated by it. A lot of artists, thinkers and creative people hesitate to do that. As weird as Balenciaga is, Demna has propelled the brand to its perch of influence by embracing things so plain and simple and ubiquitous that it seems them, that, that, it, that we see them anew. Kim Kardashian, celebrity divorces, The Simpsons and now America. And I love it. Honestly, I do, I really do think he's one of the important designers out there. I really do. I'm really, really a big fan of him. Um, another thing here says, Demna knows perhaps that if he's going to go all in on his this logo, less tailored clothing, proposing an antique monster's theory on elegance, he has to give people things that they feel like products before and everything else. He says, the biggest and most important challenge for any kind of creative is to make product that is desirable, to create desire. 
Devlin said, and I agree with him. That's what fashion should be. And that's what we are trying to do every day in a way. Sometimes it creates less desire, sometimes more. But I think the commercial success of a product is linked to that desirability, whether it's a bag or a shoe, a consumer dress or whatever it is. And I think he's always been like this. The fact that the first brand was called Vetema, which is basically clothes in French, says everything that you need to know about it. He's come always from a product point of view, from a how can I make the best version of a mountain jacket, the best version of an anorak, the best version of track pants, the best version of sweatpants, pants like he always it's a refinement conversation and for whatever reason don't ask me why i don't know still to this day why it seems to have resonated with people in a big way people love the brand you see everybody wearing it it doesn't matter if they're hipsters if they're fashion people if they're just a general public who just want to have something chic that can kind of maybe cover the majority of their body and they can wear something else underneath whatever it may be it's definitely been something that he's made way more desirable than it maybe has been in yesteryears and i definitely think he deserves some credit for it so i'm a big fan of the collection i love everything in it i can't lie and i would wear the majority of it personally easily wear the majority of it especially on my trips to berlin and stuff like why not imagine rocking up to flipping Bergheim wearing this look 40 come on man come on man don't play with me don't play with me anyways moving on i'm really surprised about this so this says the following klana lays off 10 percent of his workforce which is weird it says Sweden's payment giant Klarna is going to cut hundreds of jobs in the coming days. Today's news comes a few days after Wall Street Journal reported that the company was going to cut its valuation in order to raise fresh capital. The company currently employs 7,000 people. Cutting 10% of the workforce would mean that 700 people lose their jobs at the fintech company. It will potentially affect all domains and offices around the world. Imagine you're being in that 10% and imagine you're not in the 10%. Oof. I am no stranger to sharing good and bad news. However, today is the hardest one to date, said Kleiner co-founder and CEO Sebastian, whatever that name is. He wrote in a message shared with his employees. As much as we, as much as we may like to be the case, Kana does not exist in the bubble. However, over the coming days, some employees in Europe will be asked to leave the company in exchange for severance pay. Some employees outside of Europe will have to leave the company, but the process of impacted employees will look different depending on where you work. The company doesn't name a single reason for the layoffs. Instead, the founder lists different macro and geopolitical factors that have led to today's difficult decision. He says, when we set out our business plans in 2022, in the autumn of last year, it was a very different world than the one we're in today. Since then, we have seen a tragic, uncertain, unnecessary war in Ukraine unfold, a shift in consumer sentiment and a steep increase in inflation and highly volatile stock market and likely recession. It saddens me to say that as a result of this, approximately 10% of our colleagues and our friends across the domains will be impacted. Last year, main to the duh, many and kind of what kind of raised more than 630 million last year only Kleiner currently works uh, with 400,000 merchants around the world. The company's fashion product is a payment feature that lets you buy something now and pay later in multiple installments. I'm really, maybe I'm naive, but I'm really shocked this didn't take off and become more successful. Um, they spent a lot of money advertising it. I do remember it coming into my um, line of sight because of the collaboration that they did with ASAP Rocky. Um, you know, buy now, pay later kind of clothing was funny because ASAP never does that. He either buys all this stuff outright or he gets sent in for free so the fact that they were using him to promote was hilarious but i guess because he's the fashion guy it maybe made sense to align with him but i thought the idea from it was pretty solid especially in a um in a world where people are a bit more conscious of sustainability or whatnot 
maybe the idea of kind of investing because you're kind of investing long term into these products you're buying whether it's a coat a jacket or just a t-shirt the fact that you're doing it on layaway it's kind of like you kind of investing in it for the long term and basically committing that you're going to keep this and not probably flip it because you spent six months paying for it um so that's one thing and it's just kind of maybe slows down people's purchasing decisions or whatever it may be but i just thought the idea was cool it somewhat is you know a way to democratize fashion it gets people from all walks of life to be able to acquire these things that they probably just fantasize about or just look at stuff via online and on magazines but can never touch it you get to put it in their hands and maybe that will then go to you know it will then become a longer relationship maybe sometime in the future after a person's bought from klarna um, on the layaway they might get to a point where in their life where they can go out and buy you know a flipping acne jacket for full retail who knows so i'm really surprised this didn't take off but i'd imagine like what the you know the ceo says everything going on in the world right now is having some adverse effects on real people um and it's weird because you know especially when you're younger you don't necessarily think all these things can affect your everyday but because it's all happening at the same time very in kind of a short period of time without any breaks and time to kind of gather ourselves you know it felt like we were just in a pan you know a proper global pandemic and now all of a sudden we're all basically having to deal with the fallout which was happening in you know in with the war in ukraine um and it's just it's just awful it's just awful i really do feel for the people that are getting let go in this case especially when you think about how much it was probably celebrated in-house that they got that 639 million um, pounds raised or dollars raised so now all of a sudden a year later they're having to lay off 700 employees it continues over the years Kana has expanded to other markets launched new products it offers a shopping app so that you can manage your payments save items for later track deliveries and more in some markets the company also offers a payment card that you can control from app it's interesting that all these things are different products just these features they add the fact that you can manage all your payments is a different product so this is where it comes it becomes a bit fugazi the whole startup um setting up a company thing you can basically dupe it feels like your founders into believing that you've got all these different what they call them business verticals when really it's just a feature that should already be there why can't you manage your payments anyway why is saving items for later such a big deal tracking deliveries come on that's that's a flipping um that's a new product saving tracking your deliveries it continues in europe klarna operates as a regulated bank customers can open a bank account with klarna and use the service to earn interest with fixed um, term saving plans this way the company can raise deposits from retail investors directly and yet if the washu journal report is correct klarna is thinking about cutting its valuation to a low 30 billion range post money valuation so that it can raise more money that process may have had an impact on the current state of affairs at klarna with some employees losing their job as a result unfortunately for klarna and the employees the company has a had hasn't said who will be affected by job cuts calendar advice was sent over the last two days um in consideration of the privacy and the people affected by these changes we asked that everyone work from home this week <sighs> imagine that email coming into your inbox man and then the other thing that's really really sad about this is that it was a flipping pre-recorded video message maybe better than doing it on live stream maybe i don't know but it's because it follows um where is it um yeah he received he delivered it in a pre-recorded video talking about the shifting sentiment the, the, the okay so that's basically what i read before uh blah, 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 blah. yeah so can we see the actual video itself or did somebody leak it or not uh or did he put it up on his site oh no okay it's listed on here but yeah i can only imagine what that what is that feels like i've got a funny story about Klarna. Klarna was actually one of the companies i actually applied to work at and i got 
pretty far in the hiring process this is one of the first times that i legitimately was heartbroken that i couldn't work somewhere especially because i was unemployed for so long and it was also a wake-up call in terms of how the job application process goes because for whatever reason every other job i've had so far whenever someone asked you for references it's always an indication that you're going to get it it's like the final step and usually you know unless you're a flipping psycho your references should be okay enough to pass on and then you're more than likely going to get an offer the next day but for whatever reason this is one of the only jobs that i've ever had where or no where the only job i've applied at in klana where they asked for references and then a day later they said yeah we decided to go with somebody else and i was like what because already in my head i kind of had it and i never like this i'm never like i'm, I'm always the kind of guy that has to see something in writing i have to see it in black and white touch it i'm tangible i don't dream too much you know about fanciful things i just do the work and then i you know with intention and then i hopefully would receive those results but i'm not doing it dreaming or something that i haven't done so i was really kind of dreaming that oh yeah i'm gonna have this job i'm gonna be able to work here do this do that and you know it paid pretty well it was a pretty cool rotor the company were doing were doing cool interesting things i thought i was lined with it and you get the call now you're not getting it and you're like wow heart was broken especially again like i said it was during the pandemic where i was like struggling for work and i was down to my last like pennies in terms of savings so from when that happened i was like oh my days so um yeah it doesn't bring me any pleasure to see that they're going through this because i legitimately thought it was a good idea um if there probably still is a good idea in it in the fact that they're going to be able to raise those millions but you know life comes at you fast and it life does come at you fast so yeah for some things guys everybody affected with it out there at klarna and hopefully you guys land on your feet um next on the list what else we want to talk about here oh yeah let's talk about this so this is courtesy of yeah let's see we have to we have to have to have to talk about this so this is courtesy of hypebeast and they're debuting the new colorway of the salehi Bembry crocs and it's called the pollock croc is that what it's called the pollock clog sasquatch dressed in black is that the name of the actual shoe the crocs pollock croc or maybe it's just called this crocs pollux clog sasquatch okay whatever anyway we move it says um so this is a new colorway of the but i'm not gonna read the hype beast article it's always full of dross anyway just regurgitating stuff you can already see but essentially there's a new colorway of the salihi Bembry design crocs that had, had captured everyone's imagination mine included and um they look pretty sick in black i'm not gonna lie i do kind of prefer them in the poppy colors the bright vibrant colors don't get me wrong i think sorry that's the reason why maybe they capture everyone's imagination, right? The fact that they were just solid block color. They had this weird um, fingerprint design. They had a somewhat different silhouette and toe box to regular, you know, flipping um, croc sandals or whatnot. And, you know, that's what everybody kind of appealed. That's what maybe I think got everyone's kind of interested in them in the first place. But I still think in the black, you know, they have that kind of weird... You, utilitarian look to them right they look like something that you could wear as part of your daily uniform and going there out there out and about and i'd imagine some people are probably going to end up you know splattering these in paint and making them look all funky and whatnot like they have a gallery or an art studio which they clearly don't just for the vibes it is what it is but the problem for me with this sort of stuff is that as good as it is to look at these images and to see this amazing product and to hopefully you know imagine a a future where you might be able to get them yourself that's one of the main issues i have with this for whatever reason 
Crocs have now become a thing that's you know a, a footwear model that's kind of captured the public's attention everyone wants crocs everyone loves crocs and these collaborations are basically riding the wave of that success or that hype or that attention or maybe you said the other way, other way around maybe the collaborations have basically started the wave wherever it is the fact that these collaborations are coming out thick and fast means that crocs has definitely recognized that these are doing well they've recognized that it's a win-win you collaborate with a small brand it reaches mass market you sell it for the same price you sell your regular crocs and then bob's your uncle granny's your aunt cool it works but for whatever reason these salili Benbury crocs were incredibly difficult to get every time i've seen these drop online i've seen nothing but people on twitter especially sneaker twitter footwear twitter complaining and moaning that you can't get them they you know the back end of certain sites isn't working and for whatever reason it feels like they aren't fixing the problem now maybe it's a calculated thing and you know the cynic in me will believe that maybe they're doing this on purpose to just drum up interest and they're not willing to fix the back end of purchases sneakers but this is just a common thing that's happening for years and years it feels like every t ever since i've been queuing outside of foot patrol and queuing outside busy workshops and you know um, nike town whatever it may be to get shoes it's always been difficult and it feels like even though now even if, even though nowadays sneakers have become mainstream and everybody's basically a sneakerhead, it feels like the process of buying stuff that you actually want or that people are trying to make you want by making it limited edition, making it desirable, linking up with a with a known person, whatever it may be, it's just more difficult now than ever to get a hold of these shoes because number one, the the demand is crazy, and number two, the 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 way of purchasing them, the back end, the 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 retail platforms the online shopping experience is so bad that i think for any sensible person who doesn't want to resell or who isn't that in love with sneakers it only takes a couple of l's from sneakers for you to suddenly get disgruntled and to just not give a crap anymore which i think is really dumb because the whole reason why they're making these shoes is for you to get hyped on them so you can purchase them yourself but i thought this interesting tidbit came out from Salih Benbury, courtesy of an interview he did recently with Complex, I think might explain why he ha he has such a laissez-faire attitude towards um, getting these things actually in the hands of the customers that he's trying to design them for. And also maybe the industry at large just not caring about fixing the process of buying sneakers and getting them in customers' hands in the first place or fixing the, the access to these sneakers in the first place or these footwear models, whatever it may be. I thought his, his answer to this question was very telling in that. Do, do people hit you up a lot with like customer service inquiries like oh this shoe release didn't go how i wanted and like do you feel any responsibility to be like oh how can we make this equitable how can we make this fair i mean sponge has customer service yeah but i kind of grew up in you know the gnome de guerre like mm -hmm. clientele a life you know period of product where it was uh, things were obscure yeah and oh, I thought you were going to say, talking about customer service, where they just told you to kick rocks the second you walk into the I store. Didn't want, I didn't want to put it like that. I didn't want to say that, but at the same time, like, me being a one-man team, like, I'm definitely focused on, like, creating, like, good product. Mm -hmm. And uh, I absolutely have customer service, and I care about my consumer, because if yeah. I don't, they're going to walk away from me. But uh, I definitely am kind of regurgitating a certain culture that I grew up in in, in downtown New York of, of, like, it's like the liquor store. No, I don't want to say it's the liquor store mentality, but... It's just, it's just more like I want to create good things that a, a specific person understands and I almost only want to talk to them. Yeah. But it's too late for that. That's why I don't like this attitude. It's too late for that. Sneakers have now become mainstream. Footwear's become mainstream. 
that's the reason why these crocs have taken off in the way that they have it's not because a niche amount of people how we were back in the day right when you know when we were all queuing outside of sneakers stores and you know flipping shit posting on sneaker forums like nike talk and crooked tongues and what was the other one um oh, what was the other one called white and blue i forgot that one what it was called but anyway all these other sneaker forums right that was a certain place in time and for me personally i have many bad experiences in those places because a lot of those stores especially growing up here in london treated me like absolute crap at the beginning when i was trying to get into this stuff because that was just the attitude around it right from skate stores to street stores to fashion stores they kind of gave you the cold shoulder and after only spending an untold amount of money and going there time after time they maybe kind of warmed up to your presence and maybe saw that you weren't a poser and then tried to treat you nice which is a crazy shopping experience but it kind of is what it is but now that it's become mainstream and you have moms coming in and picking up sneakers for their sons and stuff the fact that they can go into a shop and you know maybe come across a sales assistant that still kind of fantasizes about the old days of flipping nom de guerre store and a life on rivington and stuff and kind of want to give the mum the cold shoulder or just be blasting flipping um black sabbath on max volume when everyone's trying to shop and buy stuff it's just absolutely insane it doesn't make any sense there has to be some sort of middle ground some meeting of some meeting in the middle to kind of you know take that kind of coolness that made you know sneakers what they are now making it why people are so kind of in love with them but also making sure that the customers who have a different expectation of how they shop and how they buy stuff are also being satisfied because in general i feel like overall maybe it's unfair but most people don't expect to go to sites and try to purchase something and have to have seven different tabs open or access it through their phone or using vpns or bots and stuff just to buy fucking crocs it's absolutely insane and i feel like for whatever reason the footwear industry the streetwear industry in general perpetuates this lie this myth that for some reason nowadays even though sneakers is a billion dollar industry sneakers billion dollar industry everybody wants them that somehow they can't make enough somehow they have to pretend everything's limited somehow they have to engineer um artificial scarcity somehow they have to do allow backdooring somehow look at the look at flipping marcus jordan he's a good example he you know there's pretty much some strong evidence out there that he allegedly was backdooring his own shoes to sneak to sneaker resellers individually out from a hotel from a hotel he was staying in or whatever it may be has he been punished or taken off the you know the flipping list of people to collaborate with probably not but all of these heinous things are happening behind the scenes and then you have this perpetual lie that they are now passing on to a young designer like him Salih Bembry coming up who's obviously now trying to re you know write his own sort of story and set new trends and be able to inspire a whole new generation and he's now kind of perpetuating this idea that you know yeah it's nom de guerre it's this old school streetwear vibe that i'm on it's the flipping retail mafia you know you you can't get this thing it's like no bruv you're designing crocs but you know you, you can't design crocs and then suddenly want to treat it like it's a flipping it's the first it's the first babe tea to come out of nowhere store in tokyo in 1997 that's not the same thing anymore they're crocs so if they're crocs they should be made available for everyone to purchase in some way shape or form and i still don't think that whole oh if you make all of them if you make them available to everybody this it's going to take away the uh the appeal i don't think that's the case because you're still talking to a small subset of people not many people are going to be willing to go out even if it's all in black and wear crocs in general even if they look like this even though in black and as they look quite mundane and quite subdued 
it's only a certain type of person who'd be willing to put on a shoe like this, like a foam runner, like this, like whatever it may be. So the fact that you are unwilling to make them available to everybody is really concerning. And the fact that they've adopted this idea that we're going to just artificially make it harder for you to buy them so that you can come and try again every time and turning customers into flipping, um, you know, modern day crack addicts is absolutely heinous. I absolutely despise it. I despise everything about it because like I said, sneaker industry is a multi-billion dollars industry there's enough shoes out there to supply demand but they don't want to and they just keep making people dance for their flipping shoes and you know i just think it's demeaning um i think it lacks respect it doesn't you know it doesn't do anything to um inspire or to basically push this thing forward it's just it feels like a cash grab after a cash grab after a cash grab and the only people that win are the influencers because they're the only people that seem to get every single pair that comes out and then lucky customers here and there who maybe have a lucky day like like me for instance i got l after l on sneakers app and then for whatever reason when the off-white jordans came out um the first ones um i somehow lucked out and got four pairs in a row don't don't ask me how i just somehow did i think i got one on a raffle i got one because i attended a an event no i got two because i attended events in tied in with a nike 10 and then i think i got another i don't know how i got the fourth but i got four in a row so it makes no sense so you know and then of course that little bit of hope that got because i got four in a row would then carry me forward to then keep putting in my flipping raffle for the sneakers app again knowing full well that that four in a row might mean that i might have like a barren streak of like 10 years of not getting any wins on a fucking sneakers app and i think that is heinous personally for me i think that's absolutely disgusting um but you know forever i think there are certain customers who actually enjoy being you know taking the piss out of as well so maybe this tactic does actually work but it would be nice if these were made available to customers to purchase it also would be nice if the designer would also be a little bit um involved in maybe you know making sure that there's systems and processes in place to make sure his fans could actually get a hold of the shoes and not have this like oh yeah i'm too cool to do that or you know what i'd much prefer him just to come out and say i'm the designer i just like to make cool stuff i don't deal with all the stuff in terms of getting in people's hands it's sad that people can't get them but that's not something that i try to concern myself i just focus on making cool stuff instead it's like nah nom de guerre a life rivington it's like come on bro what are you talking about man this is some madness you're designing crocs you know what i mean you're designing new balances these are brands worn by millions and millions of people all around the world they're obviously trying to um overtake nike and adidas in some way or maybe take some some of the eyes away from them and back onto their product if that's the case then you have to it puts some processes in place to get them in more people's hands but i don't know maybe i'm in the wrong there let me know in the comments down below what you think i'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions regarding that one um i think that's where i might have to pause it for now because i think it's been an hour i don't want to keep on rambling because i've got plenty of things to get on top of all 123 look at that many 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 things spoke about anyway that was the Excellence Show, episode number 580, 580. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard and liked what you saw, why not leave me a like? Why not click subscribe um, to come back another time? And of course, if you want to subscribe to the Patreon, you're always welcome to do that too. The link is in the description. It's little as £1 per month. You get access to a bonus show per day. No, one bonus episode per week. The other one's coming out on Saturday. So definitely keep an eye out for that one. And yeah, I'll see you guys very soon. If you listen to the audio podcast, you'll hear a song of the day and if you're just watching on youtube you won't hear anything it'll just fade to black peace
Thank you.